Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 131. Week 131, volume 131, number fucking 131. Hey, going, guys? How's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest is Chris of Currents and also of Shadow of Intent, and that will be coming up later in the show. Let's kick things off with feedback, questions, what's been going on. Had a lot of you guys reach out to me this week and over the last few weeks asking how they can help this show grow. I've had a lot of compliments about how much you guys love the content, love what we do, and it's really quite simple, guys. Help us out by spreading the word about the show. So for some of you, that might mean tell someone about the Mosh Zone. For others, that might be about sharing the Mosh Zone on your social medias. Or lastly, help us out with a rating and review on iTunes or on our Facebook page. All of these go together and help the show get out to more listeners. So if you guys want to help, help us out where you can. So enough of the ramblings, let's kick into the main part of the show. This week, I got to sit down with Chris of Currents and also of Shadow of Intent. First thing I got to say, thank you so very, very, very much, dude, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. So Currents, they formed around 2011. They've got two albums and three EPs to their name. Now, Currents play in kind of the progressive metalcore sound, which is very different to Chris's other band, Shadow of Intent. Now, that band formed around 2013, three albums and one EP to their name, and that band is really on the melodic, technical, deathcore side of the game. Now, I'm a big fan of both of these bands, so to get Chris on the show was a big thing for me. I really hope you enjoy this chat as much as I did. That chat with Chris is coming up now. So I start off with the same one for everyone, and it's kind of like, do you remember growing up and being awoken to music being in existence by an artist of any style? doesn't have to be heavy, but you know, at a young age, was there a band that really opened your world to music existing? Uh, so I actually started music because uh, my parents you know, played music and encouraged their, ch- their children to play music. So I started playing piano at age six and cello at age 12. So that was kind of how I found music to exist was just playing it. And I don't even think I found anything I would listen to until around age 12 as well. Uh, the Beatles mm. was kind of the first band that I discovered um and it wasn't until guitar hero um three when i was you know turning 14 where i found you know rock and metal and all that stuff so clearly you know it's a bit of a unique and exciting discovery because you obviously were you know classically musically geared at a young age Right, exactly. So to find something to listen to rather than just learning 
pieces on sheet music was definitely different because music growing up was never something I would, you know, try to listen to. What about, you know, what were you like at that age, you know, doing piano and cello and stuff? Were you very much a sponge when it came to learning? Did you find learning and, you know, playing music very easy at a young age or was it something that you struggled with early on? Uh, so I don't know if I would say struggle, but I would say that I didn't try as hard as I could because I wasn't very passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't, you know, what I chose to be doing. Um, I, I didn't really, I wasn't able to really find passions outside of like playing video games or stuff like that, like just wastes of time like that. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure there there were challenges because I didn't apply myself the way I should. Um, you know, you're encouraged to practice for an hour or two, and I barely would practice like 15 minutes, you know? <laughs> yeah, so clearly it wasn't something you wanted to do long term, those instruments. Yeah, exactly. So you were saying that, you know, your parents kind of pushed you into it and motivated you to do it. So obviously is is and was music a big part in the household? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my little brother still plays music and my older brother doesn't really play music anymore, but he still listens to tons of music. He showed me a lot of bands and, you know, I think he kind of brought Guitar Hero into my life, actually. And yeah, my parents still play music professionally. Um, my mom is a violinist, and my dad plays the bass, the upright bass. Mm. So you mentioned there a couple of times Guitar Hero. So that's obviously when you start discovering you know, a bit more guitar-driven music. You know, you already said you'd discovered Beatles at this point. But uh, where was your path getting into the heavier style? Was... Was it something that was easy for you to start getting into, or was it something that took some time to really get into the heavier side of music? It was pretty easy, I suppose. So I remember when I was younger, way before uh, Guitar Hero, but I think I walked by a Hot Topic and I heard, you know, some screaming music, and I was like, oh, man, what is this? I didn't really honestly have an opinion on it. I just had never heard anything like that before. And I didn't really think much about it. But, yeah, when I started finding the bands on Guitar Hero, it was very easy to get into. Um, pretty much loved most of it instantly, especially the Metallica, Slipknot, Disturbed, Tenacious D, Iron Maiden, and Slayer. Just all of that pretty... They also had Kill Switch Engage on there. So there were just a lot of stuff that instantly, you know, I grabbed onto and really enjoyed. When did you decide that, you know, you wanted to change your instrument to guitar? Like, was there a moment you remember or was there a a reason you remember wanting to switch? Yeah, so, you know, kind of over the course, I just wasn't really enjoying the instruments I was playing, so... At some point, um, it was summer 2008. Yeah, summer 2008 was, I went to like this music camp for cello 
which again was not something I super wanted to do. But there, that was right after I started Guitar Hero. There are a few other kids at camp playing guitar, like new Guitar Hero, liked it, and what was it? And yeah, I was kind of ripped away from all that to be in this classical environment. But there was a little guitar course, so I, you know, did a little bit learning classical guitar there. Um, but that was the point where after, you know, getting into Guitar Hero and all that music, that was really when I knew I enjoyed it way more. And I never really felt excited to get to an instrument and learn something. But the guitar, that's exactly how I felt. It was like the most exciting thing for me. That before that point, you know, video games were probably the closest thing, you know, that I was looking forward to. But now with guitar, it was like something a little more constructive than video games, I would say. So who who were your early, you know, role models and inspirations when you were playing guitar? Like, did you have a an artist or two that was wielding the axe that you were looking at and going, you know, he's what I want to be like? Yeah, it was probably Metallica, Kirk Hammett, James mm-hmm. Hetfield, those guys. They were pretty much the most iconic people I saw that, you know, I would like to be like one day. And, you know, obviously because you're more motivated to get into the guitar compared to how you were with other instruments, were you doing a lot more practice? Was it a lot more your self-learning or were you taking lessons? Because you mentioned the classical kind of course, but, you know, were you taking other lessons or anything like that? Yeah, I actually did take weekly lessons, but I also tried to put in an hour or two each day, maybe some days more. Um, just trying to learn a lot of Metallica songs um, and just some other stuff. And, yeah, I did have teachers, and there wasn't a big focus on technique from what I recall. And I've actually been catching up on technique lately, um, just focusing in more on it. But I at least was putting in hours to build up some kind of dexterity and knowledge about the instrument, you know? So, you know, you've mentioned Metallica and these kind of bands that you saw at Hot Topic, but, you know, you look, without jumping too far forward, you look at the music that you play and you create now. um, Was there a band that really switched your gears into going, you know, using the quotation marks because I don't like to use them, but heavier? in a way, because it's quite a quite a jump from playing, you know, Metallica riffs to what you do with Shadow of Intent. Yeah, I suppose it kind of is. So I think on one hand, even though I would have liked to play music like Metallica, I think me and the people I were around, you know, in my first bands just decided you can't really make thrash metal anymore in the modern day it just doesn't or at least what they do no one is gonna like do it as good as them and it's just not like modern sounding you can't really blaze your own trail and path playing that kind of music at least that's what i had thought so i suppose the first band i ended up getting with 
we saw in the people we looked up to, uh, we all liked Bullet Friday Valentine. That was one. Avenged Sevenfold, a lot of us liked. Um, and then there were, yeah, a few of those bands on the heavier side, like As Blood Runs Black or Born of Osiris. Those were kind of shaping the sound of my first band. Um, Chelsea Green had just come out, um, Asking Alexandria. So, yeah, all of those kind of shaped it. There was the Devil Wears Prada, too. I could, I could name a ton, but they were, you know, bands that were very prominent in Hot Topic at the time, and you could always see their names on the walls. And, yeah, that's kind of the stuff we all wanted to do. So that band, my first band, one of the songs I wrote is actually a more updated version of that song is on Shadow Intense's first album, Primordial. There's, mm. you know, different vocals and such, but a lot of the riffs are the same from when I first wrote it when I was 17. Um, and that sound was very influenced by As Blood Runs Black. That's kind of like the main influence for that first EP, Shadow Intended, where those songs got re-recorded for the full-length album. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I would cite a lot of those bands. But as far as like getting Shadow Intent started... Uh, it was As Blood Runs Black, Born of Osiris, Winds of Plague, Dimmu Borgir. Those were, pro oh, and I guess maybe Whitechapel. Those were kind of what really got us going. Because those songs were originally intended for my first band, but our drummer, you know, you need some kind of crazy machine drummer that we've managed to find three of now um, to play that kind of music. And our drummer for that first band, um, you know, music wasn't his ultimate passion. He liked it a lot, but he didn't want to like make it his career or anything. So, um, we ended up not using the songs for that band. They never kind of got released under that band's name officially, but they did end up becoming shadow intent songs in the future. It's quite interesting with, you know, the comparisons also from Shadow of Intent and Currents because they're kind of, they're heavy bands, but they're opposite um, spectrums of the, the genres, basically. Um, was that, is that something always with you that it's, it gets your creative juices flowing that you're not being pigeonholed with one style or one band, that it gives you that ability to dabble in both? Yeah, yeah. Um... I would say so. You know, one thing that's important is if I have two bands, I don't want them to sound the same. That seems like a waste of time because mm -hmm. then I would just focus on one if I were just going to make the same kind of music. So that was definitely the thought process there. And then the ultimate goal of each band is a little different. Um, Shadow and Ten, yeah, Shadow and Ten is supposed to you know, be seen as a metal band, like a pure, you know, I mean, if people think deathcore influence makes it unpure, then I guess I could see that, but, um, more of like a pure metal band and then currents, uh, I've seen some people even label our new album as a rock album, which is funny. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think we're quite there yet, but yeah, basically the intent 
of having more songs you would sing along to the chorus with and maybe appear on like the hard rock radio stations and um yeah just a different vibe that's not quite as fast but still has some fast parts you know Hmm. well i think you know they're both core bands they're just different core bands really is what i'd I'd probably perfectly, um, if someone had to try and ask me what they were, um, I wanted to ask about, you know, when you're growing up and you're getting into all this music and, you know, you're starting obviously some a band in high school, what was the local scene like for you around your area? Was it a scene that was kind of thriving with a lot of bands playing? Were you seeing bands that were kind of, you know, quote unquote, making it, you know, getting out, doing tours and weekenders? Yeah, I guess it's a very mixed response. So people always, at least here, everyone likes to complain that their scene is dead and there's no nothing happening. And that's kind of true, but it's hard to explain. So I live 15 minutes from pretty much the only legitimate venue that's still open in Connecticut. A lot of venues have closed over the years. But this venue is called Webster Theater. Um, loads of bands and artists come play here anywhere from like Knock Loose or Sleeping or Sirens or Escape the Fate or um, even Slayer has played there back when they were smaller. Like it's a pretty, you know, iconic venue with a lot of history um, that bigger bands would play uh starting out it, the biggest room is 1250 mm. or 1200 capacity um so yeah just to give you an idea um so as far as the bands coming out of the scene so at least when i started out there were loads of local bands like there was always bands to put shows you know put on shows with and then i feel like after a few years a lot of those bands broke up and disappeared and I never really found metal bands from Connecticut anymore that would play shows, which was very interesting uh, that a lot of the bands broke up and just never made new bands. Uh, some bands kind of, you know, made new bands, but they wouldn't be interested in playing a lot of shows, stuff like that. So, yeah, there weren't really, you know, you hear stories about like Ohio where like, um, I guess like Miss May I and Attack Attack would like, and we came as Romans from Michigan. They would all kind of be near each other, play shows together, start you know blowing up together. But Connecticut, we didn't really have any bands like that. Um, our current old guitarist Ryan had a band called Forsaken that. Um, they would do weekenders, they would, you know, travel out, they never got on, like, a tour as an opener for other bands, but they at least would play Canada, and they would play out-of-state shows, so that was probably the closest thing for us, and that's a big reason of why we wanted him in the band, is just because that, that was, like, the band we all looked up to, and we thought that he'd be a good fit for our band, so... Um, that's kind of, yeah, there's not really many bands in Connecticut that we could say that about. So the only, uh, band in Connecticut 
for like metal and hardcore that gained notable success is probably Hatebreed. Mm-hmm. I think, and Jamie Josta. He has a solo project, Josta. And then there is one band called Fate's Warning, which is, um, I think, more of like a power metal, progressive metal band. Um, but yeah, there's not a lot of bands that came out of Connecticut. But um, north of Connecticut, in Mass, there were a lot of bands. That's where, you know, Shadows Fall, Kill Switch Engage, All That Remains, um, all those bands came from. And they would have members from Connecticut, but they weren't labeled as Connecticut bands. So it seems as if, as far as like metal and hardcore goes, my bands are, since Hatebreed at least, were like the first bands to get out and do the national tours, international tours with like the bigger headlining bands. Now what about what about at high school? Where were you gearing for, you know, a career of sorts? You know, in high school everyone's told you need to know your path, which is quite a weird thing to say to a, you know, 16, 17, 18 year old. But were you purely focused on music as being your only thing or were you looking at something else to possibly fall back on if music wasn't something that could pan out? Yeah, so I did go to college. I have a bachelor's degree in economics mm. from University of Connecticut. Um, and that's just my fallback, at least at the time, was just I always have this to fall back on. But I knew I didn't really have a passion for whatever that would lead to. I just know if one day I need to make money and have a you know a real job, then I would get something with my degree or go back to graduate school using you know my degree as like you know the starting point just to go literally just. I knew this was my only passion, so anything else I would do would just be to make money, and I might not enjoy it, but it would, you know, I'd find a way to make it work. But luckily, it didn't come to that, and I pretty much prioritized music over pretty much everything else in my life. And one one thing you were talking about earlier with early bands, now looking at the timeline of things, You'd technically say, if I'm correct, that Currents was kind of formed initially first out of Shadow and Currents. Is that correct? It depends how you look at it. So technically, Currents did form in 2011 and has been around longer than the name Shadow Intent. But I formed Shadow Intent before I joined Currents. Mm. Okay. So, So, yeah, we, we formed Shadow Intent we kind of met up and had the idea in 2012, but didn't really release our EP until 2014, I think. Yeah. 14. Mm. Yeah. So let's, let's touch on some currents first, just cause it's what I'm looking at with my notes and, you know, when it kind of started, um, what were the initial expectations and goals? Was it just about learning the ropes and kind of getting some band experience under your belt? I know you'd already had stuff going on in high school and early bands, but what was the initial expectation with Currents? So, yeah, I suppose, you know, it could have gone really any, any ways. It is nice to have the experience, but basically before I even joined Currents, they 
were probably the most prominent metal band out of Connecticut next to that other band I mentioned, Forsaken. Um, everyone kind of looked at them with some level of respect and that they were, you know, good musicians, could write good songs, um, and could get good opportunities. Um, and they took it, you know, serious. And yeah, everyone seemed to know what they were doing. So it was really exciting to surround myself with people like that because I never really had um, a band with people as focused as that. So that was really nice. Um, let's see. Yeah, that. I mean, I figured if I was to succeed as a musician, this is my best opportunity that I can think of because they, you know, statistically on the internet and yeah, I guess just looking at the internet, they were doing better than anybody else. So I wanted to be a part of that if I could. And it, you know, it's good that it worked out that way. So yeah, the goal, you know, there was just, let's, I get to write for this band now. Let's, so the stuff I write will reach more people because they already have people that care about the name prints, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And and it was an interesting, you know, the first two EPs, Victimize in 2013 and Life Lost in 2015, um, really seemed like it was starting to build some groundswell and attention for the name because it was something that, you know, you reference the internet. If you looked on the internet, it was a band that popped up on a lot of blogs and a lot of sites. Were these EPs um, essential stepping stones for the band, gaining the momentum to eventually sign with a label like Sharp Tone? Yeah, I think they definitely had a good role. So before Victimized even happened, the band had a single called Annalise mm-hmm. that may have even done better than victim victimized EP did, but that song itself uh, performed pretty well on the internet and victimized definitely did pretty well as well. Like it did get some attention. Um, and that was, you know, stuff the other members wrote. And then with life lost, we actually had some concrete numbers to show people that without a label, we were able to sell, uh, 400 something, uh, records in a, in a, the first week it was out, which is very small, but compared to, you know, you know, there are some bands on labels now that don't sell that many. Mm. Um, so it's, you know, just a good resume builder, I suppose it's, you know, in the grand scheme, it is a very small number, but it does show that there is some level of support as well as, you know, stream, you know, keeping track of streams and stuff. So what really got label's attention, though, was when we got our new vocalist and released our new song, Withered, with him on it. And so we were able to combine kind of this small amount of attention the band did have at the time with, like, this new sound that we made and, you know, that the label and our, you know new manager at the time liked more and that song kind of opened up the opportunities to get like a decent record deal and get you know stuff going a little bit for us you know now you know before you know you mentioned brian coming into the band 
were those first two EPs, were you gaining a lot of um, opportunities to get out in a live setting? You know, were you getting weekender offers or was this a stage where you were having to really push and chase for tour opportunities or weekend and weekender opportunities? So we did one or we did a few things. There's this band called Varials from Pennsylvania mm-hmm. that we did like five or six days with. Um, and that was pretty much that was with our, you know, old vocalist. And that's kind of the only we we also did like a three day weekend um, pretty much by ourselves. It was supposed to be with this other band, but they sort of dropped off it. So, yeah, we only really did two things like that. And then we got our new vocalist. Um, so, yeah, and we, we did headline both of those. So we weren't like able to get slots with bigger bands or anything. We kind of just had to push to make it happen. Um, but they, they went okay. They were fun. Um, but really, you know, again, that song is what, you know, got us our manager that were able to get us, um, like a week long run with, within the ruins, which at the time was like in our area, one of our favorites and most respected bands. So it was really cool to, you know, do something with them. Um, and that was like a, you know, essential step in our career because it was, none of us had really toured with a band that had done multiple national, international tours and, um, toured with even bigger bands. Like, um, around that time, I think they had just finished a tour with Thyatis Murder and Born of Osiris, um, which looked like it did pretty well. So, yeah, I would say that EPs themselves didn't really put us in a position to be able to, um, you know, notably draw out of state, but just it gained like a certain level of support um, that could grow into something more. One thing you mentioned, you know, and we've said it a couple of times here, was the bringing in of Brian switching over vocalists. And for some bands... And for most bands, actually, that's probably a really big move because it can really make or break the band going forward. Um, Now, was there a reason for the change or was it just a natural situation that arose? Because since Brian's come in, um, it feels like the sky's the limit pretty much is a simple way of putting it. Yeah, so basically the old lineup of the band, uh, if you didn't read this already there are no original members Mm. so every member before me and everybody else um for whatever reason at least at that time was not able to tour make the band a priority put in the energy needed to make the band happen so the vocalist was no different he didn't want to prioritize the band in his life and you know, we are all like-minded. We prioritize the band, so we need someone else that will because that's the only fair way to go about it. Um, so that's really how it happened. But we made sure that the vocalist we got was even more close to the sound we were trying to achieve, you know. 
And, you know, Brian comes in and then also you've got the big step of signing with Sharp Tone Records, which, you know, some listeners might understand it is kind of, it's a side label of Nuclear Blast. So it is a big label and it's a known label. Um, was there any, you know, nervousness and pressure that was put on you internally from signing and stepping up in such a way? Yeah, I don't know about pressure per se. It was just very exciting because it was something. I mean, I I was just very confident about the music we were making. I figured something like that was going to happen, and I just made sure I was ready for it when it did happen, and everyone was ready. So, and I think we were pretty ready. We, you know, made sure everything was kind of. Like our live show, technology-wise, playing-wise, was all set. Um, the music we were writing was, you know, something that I would, you know, actually want to listen to, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I didn't really feel pressure per se, just excitement, and I wanted to seize the opportunity and do what I could with it. Now, did you did you approach them or did they approach you? Our manager approach them okay and it's looks like it's been an amazing link up because the first release the place i feel safest in 2017 i feel like it, it made you kind of in the heavy realm internationally especially made you known like people whether they knew the music or not they knew the name of the band because you were on a label and it was very well pushed by the label yeah it definitely took a little time for that album to build up into what it is, but it really did, you know, become a lot more successful. And I'm like, when it first came out, it did, you know, pretty decently, but it really has grown and become more known over time. So it took, it did take a little time, but yeah, I do think that's a very important album for us. It also opened the doors to more, uh, touring opportunities because you guys started to appear on more lineups and doing more shows left right and center um, and that's obviously very important for listeners also they may or may not realize you got to get out there and do the live show you that is how you're sometimes going to win over audience that may have no clue who you are right I, I do think if I was to pick like top five most important things in our career it was our first U.S. tour with Miss My Eye and Upon and Burning Body. Um, those are bands, you know, we had listened to in high school, and it was good to, you know, do the five weeks straight of just perfecting our show um, in front of good crowds every night. That was, you know, our first time. You know, we're used to playing 100 people, 75 people, but this was more like consistently an average of like 300 people every night, which is, you know, a lot more, a lot nights. So it was very exciting for us. Sometimes we would, you know, sell tickets locally and be able to be the opener, opener for the tour package in our city. But um, this was, you know, something else entirely. So I think this was a very important time. And then, the album itself, I don't think, got us too many tours after that. Um, oh, we did 
that's not true at all. So then we also got to go to Europe for our first time with Miss May I because we hit it off with them on our first tour with them. And we also did a tour with Born of Osiris and Fit for a King. And meeting Fit for a King uh, started like a whole new relationship. We've done, I think, four tours with them now and probably, you know, more in the future. They've become great friends. And, you know, then you had what felt like maybe it was a stopgap, but, you know, the EP, I'll Let the Devil In. Um, that was an interesting decision, you know, after you've released your debut full length. Um, was there a real reason behind stopgapping with a quick EP? Was it just to kind of give fans something to do? Um, because it wasn't long, or well, it was, it was two years really, and you recently released um, your sophomore release. So why drop the EP in between the two albums? So that was, I would say, the label's call, kind of. So the label's original idea was to do some bonus tracks, do a deluxe edition of The Place I Feel Safest, and then our drummer at the time had the idea instead of doing that we should do an ep because people you know the idea is people like would rather hear an ep than bonus track re-release and so that was kind of the idea that was most attractive to everyone but overall either way you look at it the label felt that it was important for the band to have a period of growth and just a little more content so that when the second album does come out, it makes a lot bigger of an impact and the band is, you know, more established. So it was kind of, you know, a bridge period just to make sure the second album goes over well, which is very funny because the second album ended up coming out in a pandemic, which wasn't expected. Mm. But at least online, the second album is like outperforming all of our expectations. Yeah, well, that that is something I was going to ask. It is very strange that, you know, your sophomore release gets released when, you know, you can't tour off the back of it. Um, The only kind of support you can get behind it is online and, you know, sharing and posting and all of this. You know, was there any thought before you released it that you were going to delay it until you could tour or was it like, we're going to release it no matter what? I wanted to delay it and then... I was talked out of it, and I understand. So, the basically what it comes down to is that we don't know how long the pandemic is going to last. Mm. So, if it lasts a year or two, and you don't release an album, you just wasted two years. Um, I think of uh, you could have had more product to push. You could have had more content for people, and instead you just disappear and lose your chance so should capitalize release it hopefully it ends soon but if it doesn't have another album ready and make the most of this one you know what i mean and you know you mentioned it it's you mentioned it's going over well uh by numbers and how well do you feel like it is being received like is it is it getting you know this band to another level if possible at such an early stage yeah, um, it's very hard to uh, keep track of what level we're actually on because we don't know what tour opportunities we're getting or if we headline how many people are coming to the shows. We don't have that data available to us. But as far as 
you know, online data, um, just, I guess, record sales and Spotify, those are kind of excelling for us um, a lot more than they ever have. So, you know, those aren't always a reflection of what, you know, what it'll look like in person at a show, but in many cases, it does have a correlation. Now, kind of an interesting question that goes with currents that also goes with shadow of intent is, you know, unfortunately, there is all this downtime and don't know when the downtime is going to stop and things can go to some form of normality. So, I mean, what's going on in the currents camp now? Are you starting to write again? I, I know it's probably too early to maybe think that, but where is the thought process with the band? What are you looking to do with all of this free time? Um, everyone is kind of doing their own thing. I have written some songs, um, just because I think of some stuff and want to get it down. Um, that's kind of, you know, irrelevant of whether we just have music come out is if I have an idea, I want to get it down so it doesn't disappear. Um, but yeah, we, you know, have done a few live streams, um, to just keep in touch with fans a little bit. But yeah, overall, everyone has kind of just been off doing their own thing. Um, it's, you know, difficult to know what to do. But there are, you know, we are trying to make some videos. I released, you know, a guitar video, a studio video. Uh, we'll probably do more videos, stuff like that. But yeah, it is difficult to really <laughs> know what to do. But Writing new music is not out of the question at all. Now, this, this kind of leads me into a question I was going to ask near the end, but we might as well talk about it now, is kind of um, some people are saying that the after effects of this chaos that's happening um, could really ravage the music industry in particular with venues not being open, uh, with bands folding left, right and centre. Um, as someone who's in the industry not only in one band, but two bands. So you're in the industry quite a bit. What is your, you know, perception of what's happening long-term? Do you have any idea what could happen long-term? And what are your biggest fears? And then Slash, what are your biggest hopes that will come out of this? Um, gosh. Loaded question. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of venues have been closing and may continue to close because a lot of these places have to continue paying rent. I mean, some places are just owned and may not have that high overhead expense of keeping. Um, so those places I hope will be okay. I'm not actually an expert on the property market or anything, but yeah, I think, yeah, maybe some bands will fold. Some venues will fold. Some people will find new jobs. Um, and the, well, one thing, that I just think about is if shows come back, but they're not at full capacity, they won't be economically viable because if you're making a certain amount of money at one point and then the expenses are one thing and then they limit capacity and expenses are pretty much the same, but the revenue you make is drastically cut because there's less tickets you can sell, then that pretty much eliminates most of 
the profit that people need to do their jobs. So that is a fear for sure. Um, but my hope is that if there is a limited capacity phase, it doesn't last too long and um, shows, you know, can be unregulated very soon. Mm, it's going to be really interesting to see what pans out from what looks like next year, really. I mean, realistically. Yeah, this year has officially been completely cancelled for me. Mm, There's nothing nothing left I can do this year. <laughs> it's chaos. Um, yes. Let's talk a little bit about Shadow of Intent. Uh, got, to, got to touch on the stuff there because it's just fucking sick. Um, you know, you kind of mentioned earlier that it was kind of taken from previous stuff and uh, I was looking back on especially Primordial which was 2016 and the EP before the band was noted as a two-piece initially Um, now was this something that it was just a creative outlet and you had the music and you wanted to get it out and you weren't worried about forming a band and getting out and performing it as a band exactly yeah that was the last thing on my mind is I literally had no expectations at all for it. I just met someone. I really liked his vocals a lot. And that was it. I was like, I want to collaborate with you somehow. Let's just do something. And then it just became super enjoyable. Um, we weren't thrilled with how the EP came out, so we redid all those songs and added on more songs just because we were enjoying it so much. Um, but there was still no expectation, really, or just, you know, something to be proud of. You know, it's nice to look back in 20 years and see a few albums on the wall of stuff, you know, I made. Um, but yeah, it definitely turned into something else, but we definitely weren't thinking of uh adding on more members those first few years and that that album we mentioned primordial basically you know it kind of fucking blew up everyone was talking about it fans and critics um everyone was saying that you know that it was taking the deathcore sound in a mature and needed direction you know it's a bit melodic it's technical um, it's more than just the cliche breakdown after breakdown after breakdown um, that had had started to flood that scene. Um, did that album really, you know, surprise you how well it was received? Absolutely. I had no expectations for it whatsoever, um, especially after how the EP was received. I don't know if you've ever seen, but um, there were, Still to this day, there are next to no streams on the EP mm. or sales or any of that. It's, but most people I don't even think know it exists, which which is for the better. But, um, yeah, I think just going over like, I guess metrics, um, just twenty seventeen versus twenty sixteen, uh, it was five times like the year 2017 was five times better than 2016, um, which is, you know, that, that is explosive growth. Um, I, I would say, and from 2015, I wouldn't even be able to measure that because we were, we had nothing, nothing in 2015 at all. So 
yeah, Primordial, you know, definitely got things rolling for us pretty nicely. But it is it is interesting that even though it is our first album and been out the longest, it actually performed a lot lower than the two that came after it, interestingly. Well, I mean, one, one of the problems, Probably one of the reasons for that is that, you know, after that you switched into being a band. Like, I mean, that's probably a vital step into why those next two releases, Reclaimer in 2017, and that became bigger albums, do you think? Well, a lot of the reason we got the people in the band was so that we could make music videos, and we weren't this. We, I mean, after Primordial... Sorry about that. You still there? Yeah, still there. You can't. You can't edit that out. I just got a call. Um, gosh, what were we saying? Oh yeah. So I I just got you know members to you know be in music videos so we could have a little more content. But after you know Primordial was out for a little while, it became clear that there might eventually be some level of demand that might be worth playing shows for. So it would be good to have people on board for that as well. So I was very, you know, not super committed to the idea of playing shows, but it would be good to be ready if it came to that. So we did end up doing it at the end of 2017, uh, about seven or eight months after Reclaimer came out. So, yeah, and I think we did, you know, try to release it very quickly. It only came out a year after Primordial, we wanted to like capitalize on the amount of momentum we had and put something else out. Um, and we got, we also got a lot more guest vocalists on it. I know that usually doesn't really mean anything. A lot of bands think that getting guest vocalists on their record will save or we'll just create this magnificent effect, um, which isn't necessarily true, but we, I think it did just at least add a few more clicks in to everything and help fuel the fire a little bit more, uh, just getting people from similar groups that people, you know, liked. So I'm sure there were a lot of factors, but yeah, it definitely went pretty sweet. <laughs> Yeah, I think it, I think it was a really important step. But you know, where the band is now, based off twenty nine's album, twenty nineteen's album, Melancholy is, I feel, outstanding. Like that um, that album, I think shocked a lot of people um, in a good way. I don't think they were expecting that release to be as good as it was. I think they were expecting something else. So that's a big compliment unto itself. But um, that album, yeah, I just feel like it's just done wonders for you guys. Is that how it feels for you? Yeah, I think so. I think it really managed to go another level above Reclaimer and do things, yeah, be have like kind of a new identity that we didn't have before um, where it was originally just like internet, um, music that's completely programmed to like real people playing real music a little bit. That's kind of how I look at it. Um, there are, of course, people that like Reclaimer better. Um, Reclaimer had a lot of songs that were faster. 
um, which is one thing, and maybe had more breakdowns, which people, some people like more. Um, so it was, yeah, it was a change, but I do think it was a change for the better. Now, also an interesting thing in comparing both bands is that Shadow of Intent are independent. Um, now, has that ever been something that you've wanted to change? Have you looked at trying to sign, or is it something that you're happy to keep things independent with Shadow? Yeah, I we've had, gosh, I don't even know how many offers exactly, but we have you know, talk to a lot of labels and yeah, we're very happy just keeping it independent. Um, cause a lot of people, you know, sometimes don't take a band seriously if they're not signed, but we're kind of trying to change that perception, if that makes sense. Mm. So just from like touring and numbers alone, um, just being able to outdo a lot of bands that are on labels. Um, not not that we're doing it in like a competitive sort of way, but just trying to just say like it is possible and, you know, to be happy doing it. And there's, you know, a, a financial aspect of it that we're kind of silent about, like, uh, usually. But, you know, being on a label is looking in the grand scheme of things there are a lot of costs added to being on a label that don't exist when you're independent um the way the money is directed is very different Mm. so it's just when you're you know getting old and you want to have a house and stuff like that um it's really nice to have a little bit more control over your finances and um it's gotten better and better each year. So I would say if we weren't growing, then we would need a label. Um, but if we can continue growing without one, then there's no reason to bring one on board. Now, the kind of one of the last things I want to end on, which is kind of what I already mentioned with uh, Currents, which is, you know, with all this downtime. So what what's going on downtime for Shadow? Is it a different thing? You know, are you gearing up a bit harder with writing or is it the same situation as currents it's you know you're occasionally writing something but you're not ultra focused on writing at the moment yeah i had a lot of the album the next album written before the pandemic i would say and i've kind of and i've written a lot more of it during the pandemic as well and i might um write some more just to see if i can come up with anything but yeah i would like to think I can have another album for both bands before touring resumes again. Mm. Um, but I, yeah, I've mostly just been working on other band stuff, doing mixing for other bands or writing for other bands that need help writing and recording and stuff like that. Well, it's good to hear you're not, you're not, you know, dead quiet. You're busy, always busy. Right, exactly. There are there are some days where I, you know, you know, my productivity this year versus last year is it's it's interesting. I feel like not every day is busy, but there are some busy days for sure. Now, what we're going to do, brother, um, 
Now, to finish things off, is we're going to do a segment called Pick Your Poison. So you're just going to end on a, something a little bit lighthearted. It's uh, basically, I'll give you two options. You pick your favourite of the two. Um, you don't have to justify your answer. Uh, everyone loves this part of the chat. It's at the end. It just their way of knowing, you know, if they were going to hang out with Chris for the day, you know, what would they do kind of thing. Gotcha. Now, you're going to go a pizza or a burger? Burger. Okay. Ribs or brisket? Ribs. Okay. Soft taco or hard taco? Soft taco. Chinese takeaway or Indian takeaway? Chinese. Chicken or beef? Beef. Smooth peanut butter or crunchy peanut butter? Smooth. Okay. He's breezing through these. Coffee or tea? (laughs) Oh, gosh. This one's a tough one because I I need them for different purposes. Um, I would say this year, though, I've had way more coffees than I've had teas. But they serve their purpose. I'll say that. Okay. Um, Cook at home or dine out? Dine out. Okay. Um, New movies out. Watch it at the cinema or watch it at home on the couch? Cinema. Spend the day at the beach or spend the day at the snow? Beach. Um, PS4 or Xbox? Ooh, I've never owned either of those, actually. Ooh, okay. Um, all right, let's... We're going to keep on games for a little bit. Now, most of these are going to be concerned with those consoles, but, you know, you might be able to play them on the PC as well. Do more Halo. Oh, gosh. I think I played a little bit more. I've only played Doom once, so I guess I would give it to Halo. Uh, Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter? Never played Street Fighter, so Mortal Kombat. Mm. Um, Mario or Zelda? Mario, for sure. Okay. Um, Mario Kart or Mega Man? Mario Kart. Okay. Cat or dog? Dog. I'm actually allergic to cats. Yee. Um, <laughs> Terminator or Predator? I guess Terminator. I don't think I've ever seen a full Predator movie. Ooh, not even the first one. I think I saw like a hour of it, maybe. Yeah, okay. Rambo or Rocky? Never seen Rambo. Whoa. Uh, so Rocky. You're missing yeah, out. I'm missing out. Um, Freddy or Jason? Ooh, never, never seen either of those, actually. Yeah, we'll say draw. Uh, I guess Freddy. The- um, Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars, for sure. Okay. South Park or Simpsons? Ooh, that's very tricky. I've been watching The Simpsons... You know, you know, everyone to know this, that South Park was on Netflix and they took it off. Then mm-hmm. it was on Hulu and they took it off that too. So every time I, you know, want to be able to watch South Park, they're taking away the option from me. So at least The Simpsons is available. So I'll give it to them. Um, Metallica or Megadeth? Metallica. Slayer or Pantera? Ooh. 
Slayer. Okay. Uh, cannibal, <laughs> cannibal Corpse or Black Dahlia Murder? Black Dahlia Murder. Uh, Marilyn Manson or Rob Zombie? Oh, gosh. Rob Zombie. Um, corn or Limp Bizkit? Corn. Suicide Silence or Whitechapel? Whitechapel. Now, last few. Um, you're playing a show. Do you want stage dives going on or mic grabs going on? Uh, stage dives. <laughs> you go to a show. Are you going to watch it from the pit or are you going to watch it by the sound desk up the back? Sound desk sounds great. Next one, I need. I know you need one to go with the other, but if you could only do one for the rest of your life, would you rather tour for the rest of your life or record music for the rest of your life? Oh man, I don't know about that. Um, I guess if I become old and can't, I'm not uh, able to move anymore. I guess recording would be smarter. <laughs> <laughs> and last one is a triple one. I'm giving you your all-time favorite album. Do you want it on CD, vinyl, or on your phone? I guess phone. I don't really have a way to play it otherwise. Yeah, perfect answer, man. Um, dude, thank you so very, very much. Really, really thank appreciate you for this. Me. Thank you for the time. Yeah, just thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I'll be in touch. All right, you take care. Uh, you too. Later.
So that was my chat with Chris of Currents and Shadow of Intent. At the end there, the first track you heard was from Currents. The track is titled Poverty of Self, which is from their most recent album titled The Way It Ends. The second track you heard was from Shadow of Intent. That track's called Grave Singer, and that's from their most recent album, Melancholy. Now's the time, now's the part of the show where I spark that thing inside you to support the band that's been on the show. So if you enjoyed that conversation, if you enjoyed the music at the end there, now's your chance. Jump online, stream some of this music, download it, do whatever you got to do to consume it. If you're into physicals, buy a CD, buy a vinyl. And lastly, if you're into merch, grab yourself a shirt, shorts, hoodie, whatever you dig. I've got to take this moment to thank Chris again. Thank you so very, very, very much, dude, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. And that's it. That's the Mosh Zone, episode 131, done, dusted, all wrapped up, locked away for this week. Guys, if you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. I hope you come back over future weeks on future episodes. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in and hope you come back in future weeks. This time of the show is when I remind you that we need your help to get out to more listeners. So if you've got a few moments this week and you enjoyed this episode, share it on your social medias. Also, tell everyone you know about the Mosh Zone. Help us out. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. Also, at this time of the show, I need to remind you that if you want to find Mosh News and Mosh Reviews, we have it all on our website and social medias. Our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, don't forget... You can also get in touch through our email address, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. Get in touch, guys. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. There's not much else to talk about. That is all of my rambling done. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week. Stay safe. Open the pitch.